Hello, and welcome to another episode of Capsule Rx Podcast. Today, I will be your host, Dr. Jovan Lazo. And one of them, we have a familiar guest, uh, one of our members on the podcast, Dr. Bailey Sism, and one of her colleagues um, and our coworkers uh, that we also have today, who will be our main guest today, but Bailey will also kind of be on that guest side as well, is Dr. Amy Christensen. So how are you all today? We are good. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, I'm excited to, to do another episode and especially talk about um, managed care, which is the, the basis of this episode today, because um, as we we're kind of talking off air, I feel this was one of the fields in pharmacy that doesn't get enough representation and enough appreciation for what they do for all of um, our patients and how they provide so much benefit to everybody. So I wanted to definitely have you on here to kind of talk about your experience with managed care and kind of shed some light about this field of pharmacy. So that way, any students or pharmacists who are interested in being involved in managed care can kind of get some some background knowledge and see if this is something they feel would be great for them. Sounds good. Perfect. So to start off, um, can you just provide like a brief introduction about yourself, um, where you're from, where you went to pharmacy school and how you landed your job at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Kansas City? So um, I work here at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Kansas City. I've been here almost 20 years. I went to pharmacy school at UMKC because it was just a couple of hours from home. So that made, you know, the most sense to me. Um, And it was, oh, my last year of pharmacy school when I was getting ready to do rotations. And I remember my dad asked me, so what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And I was working retail part time and I just I felt like all the air just got sucked out of me as I thought about, you know, I didn't really enjoy my job at the time and I wasn't really excited about, you know, doing retail for the rest of my life. But I figured that's, you know, that's all I knew at the time was hospital and retail. So it was like one or the other and I was just going to end up doing retail. But I went to work a couple of weeks later and one of the pharmacists I worked with happened to also moonlight at the local, I shouldn't say moonlight, we don't work evenings here. (laughs) but he did a little bit of part-time work with um, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Kansas City. And he was like, well, hey, they've got this residency program. Maybe you'd be interested in that. And I was like, you know, I've got nothing to lose. Let's try it. So I submitted my application and got, you know, they asked me to come in, do an interview, and I got the residency position. And to be, you know, honest, I also had some classes my last year of pharmacy school, like in formulary management and evidence-based medicine practices. And so those had kind of given me a taste of what managed care was about. So it, I was definitely lucky in some ways that, you know, I, I happened to have a conversation with a pharmacist I worked with who told me about the opportunity. And then, um, yeah, I was blessed to end up getting a residency position here. Did that for a year. And then when my residency was up, one of the pharmacists who was already, a, you know, on staff was getting ready to go on maternity leave. So they asked if I would stay on while she was gone for three months, and I was happy to oblige. And then she came back, and it just so happened that the other pharmacist decided he wanted to relocate to Florida, actually. So I took over his position, and the rest is history. Yeah, that, that sounds great. I mean... I feel like a lot of times in, with, within our career in pharmacy that opportunities just open up. It just so happens yeah. to be the way it is. And um, whether it's through networking or just through life, sometimes you're just in the right position yep. and uh, that opportunity opened up and you're able to seize it. And you mentioned yeah. something that's interesting that 
I don't believe I experienced when I was a student was you had some experience as a student in formulary management and also um, at like evidence-based medicine. Now, was that like an elective or was it an actual course that you had? Yeah, those were actual courses that we took um, towards the end of our pharmacy, uh, you know, schooling. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, so the evidence-based medicine course was at the Drug Information Center. And I just really enjoyed kind of that um, in-depth analysis, you know, looking at a category of drugs, figuring out which was the best clinically, you know, kind of picking the drugs apart like that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in order to decide what's best for patients. Yeah, really optimizing care. Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's that's essentially what you know we all strive for, and is the purpose of evidence based medicine is making sure we can optimize care uh, to benefit our patients. So, with that being said, how would you say managed care pharmacy kind of crosses path with other avenues of pharmacy? One of the pharmacists I adore most, um, who's kind of been a mentor of mine for years, made the comment not too long ago that there's really no aspect of pharmacy that doesn't intersect with managed care. I mean, anytime somebody's paying the bill or the claims for medications, there's probably a managed care pharmacist on the other side of the computer screen that's helping to manage that and oversee it. So, I mean, if you're a retail pharmacist, obviously you're submitting claims all day to Mm-hmm. an insurance company and and we're the ones who are helping to set up those those claim edits, the quantity limits, the prior authorization criteria. Same thing if you are a hospital pharmacist and you're pre- helping prescribe medications in the hospital setting. There's really I can't think of very many aspects of pharmacy that don't intersect with managed care. That's, Maybe that's... nuclear pharmacy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the one of the very uh out of the ordinary positions that, that people barely yeah. hear about probably uh, doesn't interact with managed care that much. And so exactly. it sounds like you really have a behind the scenes look of what really goes on um, from like the retail setting or the clinical setting when it comes to getting either the right meds on formulary um, for an insurance or getting the best evidence medicine to patients. So Knowing all of this, what would you say are some of like the challenges that, that you face being in the position that you're in right now? Well, I mean, certainly managed care is extremely complex. I mean, there are multiple layers to every question. You know, like Bailey came to me yesterday with a simple question. A member wanted to know why their claim, their prescription claim paid a certain way. And there is no easy answer to that in truth. When you start to dig into how drugs are priced according to like a member's benefits and then various contracts, it gets extremely complicated. Um, And it took probably four pharmacists to answer her question yesterday. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that's, that's a big challenge. Yeah. And, and there's so many, I'm assuming there's so many different parts to it that it's like each person, each one of those pharmacists probably had a little bit of information that, that you could piece together to, to provide the answer that Bailey was looking for. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, the answer is, like I said, it's complicated and it's more than one person can. I mean, we, there's 11 pharmacists on the team here and we each kind of have our little niche areas where we're experts and it's in totality, it's too much for any one person to know all the details. So each of us, like you said, know little bits and pieces and that, but that's 
what makes us a good team then because we're able to come together and collaborate on you know answers and solutions mm -hmm. definitely so with with that being said you have 11 different pharmacists there so what are kind of like the different roles and responsibilities that you have and um, what are some of the roles and responsibilities that are of a typical managed care pharmacist well I'll for myself, my main role is I do the prior authorizations um, along with a couple of the other pharmacists. We do the the retail pharmacy prior authorizations. Um, that takes up probably the bulk of our day, but I also really enjoy medical policy, kind of going back to that evidence-based medicine stuff that I learned in pharmacy school. So I'm on a medical policy committee, and there's a lot to that. That's another very layered area of managed care. But then the pharmacist who sits next to me, he is um, a data guy and a coding guy, and he understands the claim system really well. So mm. he helps with a lot of these um, claim setups with our and partnering with our PBM. And then we've got another pharmacist um, who does medication therapy management now. And we have a, two pharmacists who specialize in Medicare because the rules for Medicare are completely different. So that's another niche area. Um, then we have Bailey, and she's now our ambulatory care pharmacist. Um, she's working with our SpiraCare providers. Those are in-network healthcare providers, and she's there to help provide them clinical, you know, guidance. But I know they utilize her a lot for those managed care questions, like why did this claim pay this way, <laughs> or help us to understand this prior off process. So then we have, you know, a couple of pharmacists who are in administrative managerial roles. So. They do all of the same clinical stuff that the rest of us do, but they are, you know, the two department leads. And so they've got a lot of those kind of administrative HR responsibilities to take care of as well. Yeah. And then we have pharmacists that do prior authorizations for medical drugs. So ones that are like given in the hospital or in the clinic um, that aren't dispensed through a retail pharmacy. So those are the benefits on that side are a little different. Yeah. So. So it's a, it's a lot of, like, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of behind the scenes action. And yes. you would say that's typical for any managed care um, pharmacy? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and I think Blue Cross of Kansas City, like I said, there's 11 of us, but we're probably small by comparison with other health plans around the country. Um, but that's, that's good for us because that means we have opportunities for growth and yeah. Definitely. And with the expansion of medicine and then with, like you said, Medicare is tough. They're always changing rules um, and all these different uh, new opportunities that are coming up. I'm sure new roles will come in um, with with that growth. And that's something that, you know, being a student, that's great to hear, because I feel like as students, you hear like, oh, there's no jobs in pharmacy. But it seems like managed care is still a, a career path where there's still room for expansion. Yeah, I mean, drugs aren't getting any cheaper, so we need pharmacists. <laughs> we need pharmacists who are knowledgeable about you know the clinical side of the equation, but also have a little bit of business knowledge, or mm -hmm. you know, are willing to learn it at least on the job, so that you can help balance that equation. You know, and pick the best therapy based on cost and efficacy. Yeah, and you kind of alluded to this, but what would you say like the goal of managed care is, or like the yeah, like the primary objective of having managed care pharmacists is to do is to find the most cost effective and clinically effective therapy for our members. That's our goal. And that's great to hear because like you said, new medications come out. Usually the newer ones have the best evidence, but they're the most expensive. 
And it's, you know, I'm sure yeah. you have these patients, they're watching TV. They're like, oh, I, I saw, you know, um, Jardians or I saw uh, one of the GLP ones, Ozempic or something on TV. And it's like, oh, I have diabetes. Can <laughs> I get this? And then it's like, uh, you know, as a doctor, you might try to prescribe it, but then the insurance part becomes complicated. Um, so it's like being able to work behind the scenes to really adjust the formulary um, and do what's necessary to provide the most clinically effective medication that's also cost effective. So that way these patients are not going into donut hole too quick and then they can't afford any of their right. other meds that they need to take. Well, also, it's our job as clinicians, you, you know, we have to work with other people in the company like actuaries and whatnot. And so we may be the ones who have to take the clinical argument for why a more expensive drug is the best choice and go explain it to mm-hmm. other folks inside and say, you know, this is the right choice. This is what we need to you know, cover and pay for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we'll figure out savings some other way, but it's not always about paying for just the lowest cost options. And I do have to say too, and this is Bailey, but, you know, transitioning out of residency and having my primary experience being in retail and then, you know, the clinic setting, ambulatory care, being in a more managed care role, or at least learning about that right now, before I fully integrate into the clinic setting, I've just gained so much of a greater appreciation for like the proper utilization of medications. Yep. And it's, it's the checks and balances, you know, that's, that's what I'm really hearing from both of you is you're kind of being the, the checks and balances to make sure that we can get the appropriate drugs that can still provide clinical benefit and not be too expensive for the patient. And if it needs to be, then that's the one that we'll give, and then we'll find savings in another way. But there really needs to be a check and balance. Otherwise, healthcare costs will just rise significantly. And they're already so expensive for a majority of America. And I was going to say, too, you know, not only are we thinking about, like, primarily when we look at costs, we're thinking of costs to the healthcare plan in general. That's going to affect, you know, all our covered lives. But when we think about like the cost to the member, that's where things can get so complicated because it's not only considering like the AWP price of a drug and how that's negotiated between the manufacturer and the PBM and then the PBM and the retail pharmacy, but then you have members who have different insurance benefit designs that they can choose from. So, you know, high deductible plans, basically they offer a a low monthly premium, but those patients have a really high deductible that they have to meet before their medications or other services are covered. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, there's caveats to that, too, with the ACA and preventative drugs, things like that. Um, but then you have more traditional plans that are like a copay structure for certain medications. Mm-hmm. So GLP-1s may be a high-cost drug to the plan, especially when a lot of members utilize it, it may not be high cost to the member per se, depending on what type of plan they have. So, Mm. you know, it may be a simple $50 copay um, for a month's supply, but on the plan side, they're covering a majority of that cost. It all just depends on a lot of factors. So. Yeah. It's, it's not a a one size shoe fits all in this scenario. It's really specific to each person in the plan um, that they have. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So would you say um, you have any patient involvement at all? So I personally don't. And 
I know one of the things I get asked a lot about, I think that's one of the kind of defining things about managed care pharmacies. We don't typically have a lot of direct patient interaction. So I think if there's pharmacists out there that are thinking about this as a career path, that that's something to consider. If you really, really enjoy that direct one-on-one work with patients, you may not necessarily get that if you go into managed care. That's not to say that it can't be found, it doesn't exist, but typically we don't directly interact with patients. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think how, and Amy will touch on this later, but how managed care is like growing and expanding, I think there's more opportunities for that, but I don't think that's gonna be the norm. Um, managed care is a lot of interaction with providers or with the PBM. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we managed care pharmacists do have the capability to contact patients, say yeah. um, a prior authorization was denied. Um, they can reach out to the patient for more information or their provider being hired on to be in the primary care clinics, even though I will be providing managed care and utilization management information and kind of doing a dual role, I'll also be doing that chronic disease state management and meeting with patients. So um, it's a a new position though. Yeah. And and that's exactly what I was wondering, because I'm sure you're communicating with somebody. It's just most, most of the time, it's probably the providers in the PBM to help get things clear. And then in the case of a prior auth, you can reach out to the patient, but it's not like a direct any direct management of care with a patient or anything like that is just communication really with the uh, provider team and then also the uh, PBMs. Yeah, because basically we're dealing with population health at that level, not so much at the individual level, you know, because we've got what a million lives to manage here. So (laughs) the decisions we make are, are at that level. Mm -hmm. And now um, working for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Kansas City, is your primary focus only patients in Kansas City or does it expand like throughout the state? It does cover members in both Kansas and Missouri. I mean, we're a local regional plan. So okay. basically, it if your employer is based here in Kansas City or you yourself are and you have an individual plan, you could potentially purchase Blue Cross of Kansas City insurance. But we are not a nationwide plan mm-hmm. um, like United or Aetna. So yeah. that, that kind of gives us a little bit of an advantage being the local guy. We have more direct contact with employers, with patients. You know, we're, we're here in town on the ground. And if a member did want to call us, they could very easily call customer service and get transferred to any one of our desks mm-hmm. with, you know, with ease. So yeah, not, not getting the, the recordings and then having to be on hold for like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're we're a little more accessible. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, and I'm sure uh, I'm sure people would love to hear that because um, I know I personally hate <laughs> being on hold all the time. So that's great to hear. And then, what would you say? Because I know a lot of people lifestyle is becoming a big thing that work life balance. So, what would you kind of say your day to day shifts are as a managed care pharmacist? They're awesome. <laughs> so. Um, Yeah, we, you know, we all work, I'll just say basically a nine to five, Monday through through Friday kind of job, but Mm -hmm. it's really a lot about getting the work done, but we're all such, you know, we're a tight knit team around here. And so everybody, there's no worry that somebody's slacking off or not carrying their weight. We're all, 
putting in the time, putting in the effort, getting the work done. But um, work life around here is great. We get to wear jeans to the office. Um, The the dress code around here is dress for your day. So if you don't have any meetings with any external folks, you can come in in jeans and be a little more relaxed. Um, We get to work from home half the time. So that's great for work-life balance. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, you know, the company supports travel so we can go to conferences and keep up with what's going on in the industry. Um, I don't know. I really enjoy it. I think honestly, we probably have one of the best working environments of Mm -hmm. any pharmacist that I know of. Yeah. And would you say like, there's a lot of after hour work you have to do or off the clock, or it's more like you have the designated time. You should be able to get it done within your timeframe, your, your work shift. You should be able to get your work done. Um, I think all of us here on the team very much value that work-life, you know, balance and that Mm -hmm. separation. And, you know, I've got one coworker, he likes to work late. I think he probably is a little more productive when everybody else is gone, but that is not the (laughs) expectation. At at five o'clock, we're all heading out, you know, logging off. Um, Mm -hmm. I think in the 20 years I've been here, I can probably count on two hands, the number of times I've had to come in on a weekend to work. And those were extreme situations where computer systems just completely went down on us. So that's rare. The expectation is not for that to happen. Now, that sounds amazing. Kind of reminds me of my experience when I was on rotation at a specialty pharmacy. It was like a nine to five. As soon as five o'clock hit, everybody was like, go home. Turn it it. <laughs> like, just leave. It's just oh, like, yeah. time to go. We're off. Everybody yep. go, like, get out work wasn't done yeah you finish it tomorrow it's time to go so it was that's like, exactly oh. right yeah <laughs> i was like wow like this is a really nice balance because you know if you're <laughs> at a hospital retail setting sometimes if you if you're about to leave and you have somebody coming in there's so much going on that you know you just don't want to leave them with so much work to do so it's like all right i'll stay for an extra hour or two and then you know if you have a family children um you know events you have to attend to then you can be late or possibly miss them and i know that's a big big thing with the current generation is making sure we have a good work-life balance. So that's great to hear. I was going to say, I think one exception to that, and I haven't experienced this at all um, yet. In my role, like the clinics that I will be working in or sometimes they have some hours on Saturdays. So I may have to, you know, flex into that. And again, Mm. being in a new position, we'll see. But I also know with... um, like Amy's position and the other pharmacists that review prior authorizations for either prescription or medical drugs. Um, Depending on the state that you practice in, there's a turnaround time of how quickly those prior authorizations have to be reviewed. And it's also different for Medicare populations, but I know that I've heard sometimes like when we have a three-day weekend because a holiday is like on a Friday or a Monday, um, sometimes people will have to come in to make sure that those prior authorizations are reviewed in a timely manner. And I also think that's, you know, kind of a misconception. Some people are like, oh, I submitted a prior authorization and it's been three weeks. Or I, mostly I hear this from the patients, you know, like my doctor submitted a prior auth two weeks ago and we still don't have an answer. Uh, most of the time that's not true. You know, if it actually got submitted, there are there's legislation in place for state by state of how quickly the insurance company has to review and give a decision. 
Um, so it may not always be approved, but I know here that basically if you submit a PA, um, you know, on Monday, you'll most likely have an answer within the next business day. That's not always the case, but. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. Quick responses. That's what we want. And um, <laughs> Amy, to kind of dive deeper into your position, what would you say? Because um, I believe you said you're more of like medication policy. What would you say are like uh-huh. your typical day? Like, what do you exactly do? So I'm also the point person for the federal employee program here at Blue Cross. So I spend the first couple hours of my day reviewing claims for medical um, benefit drugs for that FEP program just to make sure that like, you know, when providers are submitting a claim for, let's say, like Remicade, that they're billing with the correct number of units. So, um, you know, I, I and then I do all of their prior authorizations, too. So that takes up a couple hours of my day in the morning. And then I may shift gears and go help out with prior authorizations for a while and then shift gears again later and work on medical policy. Um, right now, like with the biosimilars, um more and more of those coming on the market, you know, we've got medical policies for those different categories and just making sure that we've got the lowest cost option worked into our medical policy. And we may incorporate some step therapy criteria in those biosimilar policies. So I'll draft a document and then I take it to a team of medical directors and nurse case managers and other people from internally in Blue Cross and make sure to vet it with all of them. And then I'll work to get something like that implemented and coded in the system and make sure that we inform providers. Um, there's probably, well, how many medical policies do we have? I think over 400 that I'm responsible for. Um, so every day there's medical policy work to be done. Okay. And would you say you have to do like a lot of medical writing for that or is it more in layman's terms? Well, It used to be when I first started, I'd say medical policy was very much an academic endeavor. You know, the policies were 50 pages long and you had to list all these references. And, you know, after a while, as fun as that is at times, nobody reads it. (laughs) (laughs) um, um, They've gotten a lot shorter, a lot uh, more to the point, you know, as I'm listing out the criteria that, you know, if a, if a or if all these criteria are met, then approve medication, approve it for this length of therapy, approve it for this quantity, because that document is then going to go to another pharmacist who's going to use it in their daily, you know, processes as they're doing prior authorization reviews. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to make okay. it easy for somebody to follow, not so much a novel that they have to read. Because I know, like, I don't like writing, so I know that wouldn't be. Uh, <laughs> A, a great position for me, but I know there's some people out there that love writing. Um, they yeah, love medical writing. So, so that would be somebody who kind of fits in that. And that was kind of alluding to my next question is um, in your position or in other positions, positions in managed care, what type of individuals do you believe if it's a personality trait or the type of work ethic that's needed to be um, to enjoy this position and be successful at a managed care pharmacy position? So I think personality trait, honestly, is, in my opinion, more important. Um, Mm -hmm. I tell students this all the time because I know they wouldn't be in pharmacy school if they weren't smart. So when, you know, we're interviewing potential candidates for jobs here, we want to make sure they're a good fit with the team. So in terms of personality traits, we want somebody who's going to be a team member. Um, We've all 
you know, we've developed, we call it the family here at Blue KC. We're very tight. So we want somebody who's not, you know, who's just going to work with that dynamic. I mean, we're yeah. friends. A lot of us, you know, we hang out after work sometimes. We, we house sit, pet sit for each other. So mm-hmm. you want somebody who's going <laughs> to fit with that dynamic. Um, because, like I said, we, we know you're smart as a pharmacist, pharmacy student. So as long as you're open to learning new things, like we don't expect that most people who want a job in managed care are always going to have the background or experience in managed care, but that's okay. As long as you have an open mind and are willing to learn, it can be taught on the job. Yeah. And I think um, sometimes a misconception of managed care pharmacy is that, you know, in the managed care world, we do have a lot of policies and procedures and like we do quote unquote, go by the book, but you are still using your clinical knowledge. So I think people sometimes think, oh, managed care, I'm going to lose everything I learned in pharmacy school. Like I'm not going to be clinical. Yeah. So like you're definitely, you know, reviewing for appropriateness of therapy. You know, Amy and I were looking at lab values the other day, trying to interpret those, um, you know, Basically, sometimes when a prior authorization is rejected, I know Amy's reached back out to providers and said, well, these are the therapeutic alternatives that would offer the same benefit that are covered on the patient's plan. So um, you're still making clinical interventions. It just looks very different than if you were in retail or hospital. Yeah, sometimes I think um, it's almost, I feel like I want physicians to make the case to me and to demonstrate that they've put thought into why they chose a particular therapy for a member. So if they send a send in a prior off for a drug that let's say is non-formulary or non-preferred, but they've made the case and they've said, I think this is the most appropriate because of the side effect profile or the dosing frequency, you know, they've thought this through. Um, but far too often that's not the case. It's just well, the patient, like you said, they saw a commercial on TV, they came in, they asked for it, okay, give it to them. And, I mean, I, I it's unfortunate that it's that way, but, um, yeah, as clinicians here, we still get to use our clinical judgment when we are reviewing any clinical case, and we can override, you know, if we think it's truly appropriate. Mm-hmm. And something else that we get exposure to is a lot of um, drug therapies in the pipeline or new to market uh, medications. Yeah, we we work pretty closely with the pharmaceutical industry representatives, and they frequently, like Bailey said, come in. We'll give clinical presentations to us so that we're always staying up to date on what products are coming to market. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it these days is rare diseases, orphan diseases, um, or just you know new information about even old diseases, you know, that they've just, the technology has advanced so much and our learning has advanced so much. So it's kind of like sometimes you learn all over again about atopic dermatitis. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't know it was this complicated. And I'm really glad you all mentioned that because even me interviewing, I'm not thinking that there's that much clinical knowledge still being applied. And I think that is a, a big misconception. So I'm glad you mentioned that, Bailey, because you know, new graduates, people that are pursuing a residency, usually it's those who want 
to really utilize and build their clinical knowledge, have a strong, strong uh, foundation of that. And then wherever they go with their career afterwards, they can go in industry or into other fields. Um, But whatever it is, it always comes back to the foundation they built with that clinical knowledge. So managed care is definitely a position where that clinical knowledge is still needed and you'll still continue to develop it and learn it. So I think that that makes a great case for anybody that's listening and interested in like a residency for managed care that's kind of worried that they may not use their clinical knowledge that you'll still have that opportunity. Yeah, and it's not just your your clinical knowledge is going to be across all therapeutic areas. It, mm-hmm. It's not going to be narrowed, you know, sometimes depending on the clinic where you work or even if you're a MSL for a pharma company, you'll be assigned a particular therapeutic area that's, yeah. you know, that you will educate others on. And so um, your focus becomes narrowed. But here within a managed care environment, you're learning about every drug disease state out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's pretty cool because um, that was one of the things I enjoyed about like specialty pharmacy, but also didn't mm-hmm. like about specialty pharmacy. It's a double edged sword <laughs> there where it's like I'm learning about MS, like I don't know anything about multiple sclerosis. You know, I'm learning about atopic dermatitis, plaque psoriasis. I'm learning about Crohn's, yep. like a, a lot of different disease states. But then it's like, oh, if I do all this, you know, the basics like hypertension, diabetes, um, uh hypercholesterolemia, like other very chronic disease states, I'm not really managing them. And so sometimes you might forget some of the foundation, but it sounds like you have an opportunity to really have such a broad uh, therapeutic experience to where you're learning about, you're still going through the basics because you have to make sure the formula is right. And if there's new drugs, if you have to take something off, add something on, for example, probably like um, PCSK9 that that came out not so long ago for cholesterol and then like the GLP-1s and SGLT2 inhibitors for diabetes. And it's like, you still have the foundational, but then you have orphan drugs, which I don't know any, so I'm not going to try to mention any <laughs> orphan <laughs> drugs and then specialty meds. I'm, I'm sure since you mentioned psoriasis um, or atopic dermatitis, stuff like that, psoriasis, plaque psoriasis and things like that. You know, you really have a, such a unique experience. And now I'm kind of wondering if, if I would have <laughs> applied for a managed care residency <laughs> because that sounds pretty awesome. Hey, it's not too late. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is true. That is that is actually very, very true, but I won't. Uh, <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> so um, with that being said, what would you, what advice do you have for current students and or residents that are interested in working for managed care? How can they kind of get into that position? Well, I know we were talking off air about AMCP, the Academy for Managed Care Pharmacy. Um, I think that's a great resource, amcp.org, for people to go to. And they have a section there where they list out residency options and make sure to look at both accredited and unaccredited residencies. Um, I think, to be honest, I tell people, I tell students this all the time. I don't care if you've done an accredited residency. I mean, that sounds great. But to me, your experience and your willingness to learn is a lot more important. So be open to those other avenues. Um, Would you say a fellowship could also be beneficial if you wanted to get into managed it's not care? Re- well, managed care doesn't have very many fellowships. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not. What if they did like a, a fellowship in industry? Do you think yeah. that could lead them to oh, sure. managed care? Oh, definitely. Yeah. You would definitely be able to take that knowledge and then come work for a health plan or a PBM. And, you know, it's just you'd have specialized knowledge of how things work on the from the other side of the table. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I always have this 
mental image of a table and it's just what side of the table are you sitting on? I was just going to say like for students just like asking questions and being curious because I feel like so much of what I've learned since I've started this job I legitimately had no idea and it would have made my life so much easier like working retail if I would have just understood like like how is insurance actually working what are like different benefit designs like how is the price to the patient determined and it, it's so convoluted and I'm learning new things about it every day but just some of the basics that even though I took a managed care elective in school like I just don't feel like I got in-depth knowledge so I think you know being around experienced pharmacists and asking um, kind of the right questions and if you do have a specific interest in managed care um, asking when you're on even a hospital rotation or a retail rotation like what is their experience or interaction with managed care and I will say this you know there are different aspects of managed care but what Amy and I have been discussing is from like Blue Cross Blue Shield, the insurance side, the health plan side, the health plan, not the PBM. So mm -hmm. the pharmacy benefit manager, that's going to look very different, you know, so there's, there's different aspects in and of that. But I think being curious and, and just trying to get exposure to it um, is yeah. important too. Yeah. Like we're, we take high school students um, for shadow, shadowing opportunities. We have an internship program here for pharmacy students still in, like what their P2, P3 years. Mm -hmm. So um, there's also those opportunities for people that they can look for. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah, I was just, about to ask that. There's if, there's, if you had like rotational opportunities or internships available. Um, so with yeah. the internship, how can they access that? Do you, is there a specific website so we can add it to like our show notes or anything like that? If anybody's interested. Yeah, in that, I can. I can definitely get you that um, link. That would be great. I you know, our HR department here does a lot of the recruiting and they, they posted on the, at the local schools of pharmacy, but we have had an, we had an intern a couple of summers ago from the East coast. So yeah, we're, okay. we're happy to take interns from anywhere. As long as, you know, it's somebody like Bailey said, who's expressed an interest and is willing to learn and keep an open mind. Yeah. And is it a virtual experience or do they have to be in Kansas city? Um, we'd like for them to be in Kansas City. Our internship will cover housing, um, so they can be here. Um, yeah, but you know, we're the internship is hybrid as well. So last summer it was a, or I should say this past summer, yeah, Mondays and Fridays everybody works from home, and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays the whole team's in, and along with the interns. So you know, they even get that benefit as well. Yeah, and that's. That's something I'll, I highly recommend to any listeners if you're interested. I know I did a um, <laughs> internship when I was both in undergrad and also in graduate school, where uh, the one in undergrad, I actually was in South Carolina. So that was like a new experience, uh, meeting new people from, there were some interns that was from like a different country. So, so I made friends with, with people wow. from a different country. And it was kind of research-based and it kind of introduced me to research and, and that side of, of wet lab procedures and whatnot. And so I would highly recommend, um, cause that kind of gives you a, a sense of individuality and meeting new people and kind of yeah. building that network early. So if anybody's interested in, in doing a internship, I think it'd be a cool opportunity. It's like you're getting paid to work in a whole nother state, maybe or a whole nother city 
than that you're familiar with. And it's the summertime. So I'm sure the weather is phenomenal <laughs> Yeah, compared to the winter. And so you want to do it. <laughs> if somebody does an internship or residency and they decide, you know, managed care is just not for me, that's okay. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no judgment. So, And then what about any pharmacists oh, who yeah. are not interested in maybe doing a residency, but they have, you know, experience in either retail, clinical, industry, et cetera. Um, how do you think, do you have any advice for them if they want to switch careers into managed care? What would you recommend? Well, we just hired, what, a year ago, we hired a retail pharmacist um, to be a part of the team. So she didn't have any managed care experience at all. But again, it goes back to that personality fit. She was a team player. Um, She had a great personality, was willing to learn. And that's, I think, what sealed the deal. Um, And she's such a valuable member of the team. Now she's super smart and super fast and efficient and now we can't imagine life without her. So it doesn't it doesn't matter if you don't have managed care experience. I think you just need to be open and be willing to come to the table and offer your experiences and your insights and just contribute to, you know, the work that we're doing here. Definitely. Bailey, do you have uh, any advice or any recommendations? Yeah, I think... Um, just having like an open mind, we kind of talked about that earlier, but, um, you know, if you're wanting to make a career change, I think no matter like what area of pharmacy you move into, you need to have an interest and a passion for it, you know, not just going for the paycheck because you're going to get burnt out super easily. And even though managed care pharmacy, you know, some roles may not have patient interaction, Burnout is real. Um, Frustration with, you know, the different things you see coming through and prior authorizations are real. Um, And you're also dealing with frustrated providers because they want a certain medication for their patients. Um, Customer service may be transferring, you know, patient requests for refunds or complaints about not being able to get a medication. So there's still a lot of, you know, kind of member engagement that you have to do to make sure that um, the benefits are being applied properly and that um, patients are getting the the best care possible. But um, I think, yeah, just having an open mind and wanting to fully apply your experience that you have from your previous, you know, residency, job, training, whatever it may be, into managed care. Because I think what makes a managed care team of pharmacists really unique is that um, a lot of people bring in a lot of different experiences. And so you don't start from scratch because everyone has intersected with managed care in some way, but the lens that you look at managed care through is different depending on the experiences that you have. So I know like for myself coming from a more clinical ambulatory care space, um, the lens that I look at some things through maybe different than, you know, Amy or another one of my coworkers, but that's what makes it great is we can all kind of rely on each other um, to make sure that we're doing what Amy said, you know, applying, applying those utilization management strategies to make sure the most cost effective option, but the most clinically effective option as well. Thank you, Bailey. And then for my last question, how would both of you say managed care has really well, I guess mainly Amy, because I know, Bailey, you just started. Um, how <laughs> has managed easy, care yeah. <laughs> changed and evolved um, at your time 
at Blue Cross Blue Shield at Kansas City? Oh, I was thinking about this that this morning on my drive in, and I think just the cost of drugs is what is probably the biggest change. I mean, I remember when I started, the average cost of a medication was like $150 a month, and, and that that was our threshold at which we kind of started to get, you know, a little antsy, a little nervous. And nowadays, it's not uncommon to see a $30,000, $40,000 a month drug, and that's, that's a bargain anymore. So... Um, Knowing how to, you know, negotiate when you're paying for drugs that are that expensive, contract, um, you know, different reimbursement models. Like for me, I've had to learn a lot of different business aspects over the years because of this change in cost, this increasing cost. And then how do you communicate that message to the rest of the world? I mean, I think a lot of people just don't understand that they want drugs to be cheap. And they just aren't. And so how do we Mm -hmm. make them affordable, continue to make them affordable for everybody? Yeah. Because I worry about sustainability, you know. I guess I'll I'll chime in, even though (laughs) we just said I'm a newbie and have like um, just a few months of experience under my belt. But I think um, just from talking with the team and getting to know everyone, I also think basically the demand in the health insurance space, um, especially for, you know, options for patients to choose from. That also creates, you know, a lot of different little spokes out from the center um, because that can lead down the path of different formulary options they can choose from. Um, The Affordable Care Act also, I would expect change things because yeah, you know that right. that's a good point yeah, yeah the health care reform um basically how we have the structure insurance benefit designs and things like that um and then i also think managed care is starting to see the value of having um pharmacists more in the ambulatory space that focus either on population health aspects so the insured um, population as a whole or even um kind of more how I'm focusing on a a subset of our insured population, but really being able to take the side of being able to see a prior authorization and what was submitted or their claims history data from retail pharmacies and meshing that with their lab values and their medical history and medications they've tried in the past um, is really what my job is, um, what I got hired on to do. So I think they're seeing the value that a pharmacist can bring in that space too. So I think that's something we're going to see more in the managed care space. And I know um, with other, you know, health plans out there, they do have clinical pharmacists um, on board that, that kind of do that as well. So. Pharmacists aren't going anywhere in managed care. (laughs) There's going to be an ever increasing need for us. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And that's, what's exciting to hear because uh, yeah. I feel pharmacy doesn't get the best repu- doesn't have the best reputation right now, but I think it's because most people, when they think of pharmacy, they think of retail, you know, and there's all these other awesome fields and, and careers that, and that students and um, pharmacists can be a part of and transition to that are growing, evolving, trying to do the best they can for the patients and make you feel very fulfilled um, with the work that you're doing. 
um, because you're just being of service to your community, or if you're part of like a the larger health plan, being of service to to the nation by by helping these patients be on the best, um, most optimized therapy, but also most cost effective. So they're not breaking the bank all the time in order to get the care that they need to have a long, sustained, healthy life. Yeah, and I don't want to, you know, I hate to make retail pharmacy always kind of the the punching bag unpopular option. Yeah, because I sometimes I think about, you know, well, a person who is a managed care pharmacist, what if you decided one day, oh, you just wanted to go back to retail, maybe part time, mm-hmm. you know, um, think about I just think about sometimes the knowledge and how much that could help a retail pharmacist. If you already know what the prior auth criteria most likely is or if you understand the reject codes, you know, you're standing right there talking to the patient. You may be able to explain the situation to them and calm them down in the moment. So I think it works the other way as well. There's a lot of knowledge that we as managed care pharmacists could take out to other positions if we ever chose to change careers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it would still be of a ben- uh, benefit. Definitely. Yep. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think, at least for me, I, I always wanted to be a part of something where whatever career I pick or I'm working in, I can pivot into something else in case I want to. Um, yeah. Because like, as you mentioned, like just being a person who's interested in learning and it's like, I kind of feel like maybe every five years or six years, I'll probably transition to a new career for like a new challenge, um, learn something new, be <laughs> part of like a different side of pharmacy. And that's just like a personal thing for me. So it's like, I like learning about all these new um, opportunities or not even new because I've always heard about managed care. I just didn't know much about it. So having the opportunity to interview yeah. you and Bailey and and have, making friends within pharmacy who are doing so many different interesting things, it's like, wait, we can do that as a pharmacist? <laughs> like yeah. maybe I'll, I'll look into that in the future because um, I, I like what I'm doing right now. But and that's kind of how you know this podcast really got started is really just trying to expose students and pharmacists to the different careers that are available and the different options because the opportunities are endless. Like you can find something that you'll love in pharmacy. I promise you that you just probably aren't aware. Yeah. And I agree. Exposure is the biggest thing. And that's why I'm so thankful um, for you, Dr. Amy Christensen, for being able to come on and kind of shed your experience um, in managed care, working for Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Kansas City. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm sure our audience would, would love this. And I was going to say, if there's any, if there's any way for our, our audience members to reach out to you, is there like a LinkedIn or a work email, anything that would be the best way for them to contact you if they have any more questions about managed care? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will provide you with my work email. Um, okay. Would that be most helpful then for sharing with listeners? What, whatever is best for you. Yeah, that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. So I'll make sure to send that to you. Perfect. Um, yeah. And then uh, I'll put that in the show notes. So anybody that's listening, um, just check the show notes and, and I'll have her work email. And then if anybody's interested in the internship opportunity, I'll also have a link in yeah. there. So you can go ahead and, and check out the um, what the internship entails, how long it is, and see if that's something that you can fit into to your schedule over the summer. Perfect. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much. Thank you.